0: We are continuing our series on being a disciple. This is our summer series, so it's kind of different things each week with the common theme of trying to figure out what it means to be a disciple in the modern world. Now, is there a difference between being a Christian and being a disciple of Jesus Christ? No, it's the same thing. There are Christians in the Bible referred to as Christians, but those are just the disciples being called Christians, I I was up there yesterday, so that's my fault. I was up in the ceiling yesterday. It was a little fluffy thing. I had, it's a squirrel. No, I had I had lots of those little fluffy things all over me yesterday because we put a new cable into the projector, and so it had to go from there down the wall into there up there. And then Don stuck it up through the ceiling and I grabbed it and carried it over there and stuck it down there. And that was super fun. Um But we got HD now with the projector. So woo! Life is good. Amen. So, yeah. Like, I know what that is. Uh Alright, so there's no difference between a disciple and a Christian. The disciples are called Christians in the Scriptures. And they're, they're just, it doesn't make any sense to sort of be a Christian a little bit. You're either a follower of Christ or you're not. You're either in or you're not. And so be in, amen? The door is open. I don't know if you're all fully aware of that, but the fact of the matter is, it is not God who's keeping you out. You know, I had a dream one time about being in a cage. And I was trying to get out of the cage and I'm banging on the bars and, oh, shaking it. And then I looked over here and the door was on that wall. And it was open. I mean, hanging open, not just unlocked. I mean, it was hanging open. And I'm beating on this wall. Well, guess what? I could have just gone over there and gone out the door. How much of our lives are like that? We're stuck because we're blind. We don't see our opportunities. The Lord has opened the door for us to be disciples to be followers of him to get out of the cage and be free hallelujah and so as we're trying to figure out what a disciple is we decided that disciples are people who follow the ways of god but that needs to be distinguished from church culture which is just the ways of men it's the way we do things like for example i'm wearing these clothes that's just a church culture thing it's not a god thing you know i mean robes are fine right lots of candles in the front that's fine right that That's just a church culture thing. It's not that candles are good or candles are bad. Candles are fine, but you don't have to have candles. It's just a culture deal. Uh, So there's church culture. Then there's itching ears. The Bible talks about in the last days, people will have itching ears. They won't put up with sound doctrine, but they'll just get a bunch of teachers to tell them what they want to hear. And are there a bunch of teachers saying different things, trying to attract as many people as possible? (laughs) Yeah, here we are. It must be the end times. And then we talked about ferocious wolves, that there are... Uh, wolves in sheep's clothing and we need to be aware of that and this is all stuff in the church world in the christian world there's the ways of god in the christian world there's the ways of men in the christian world there's itching ears in the christian world and there's bad guys in the christian world so be aware there's all those things so we've covered a whole bunch of stuff and uh, now we've gotten into how is a how is a dis- disciple supposed to live their life? We talked about the code of conduct and all that stuff. Talked about works versus grace and all those sorts of things and how we're saved to a life of righteousness and, and this particular code of conduct. And so we've been talking about that. And today we're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. Spiritual disciplines. Is that exciting? Yeah! It's exciting. We're going to talk about prayer. We're going to talk about giving. We're going to talk about fasting. We're going to talk about spiritual disciplines. Now, uh, did you know there are people who are Christians who don't read their Bible, they don't pray, they don't give, they don't fast, and they don't go to church. Did you know that? There are Christians like that. Is that a follower of Christ? Man, it's getting pretty iffy, isn't it? I mean, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna draw hard lines because I don't always know everybody's situation, what all's going on. But, wow! Imagine if that was hockey. Imagine if you're a hockey player, um, but you don't skate, you know, and you don't handle a stick, and you're not on a team, but you're a hockey player. It's a little strange, isn't it? It's a little, little odd. Why would we consider that person to be a hockey player if they don't ever do anything that has anything to do with hockey? Well, what about being a Christian? If you don't do things that have to do with being a Christian, it's just a little odd, just a little strange. It just doesn't quite fit. So, we're going to talk today about spiritual disciplines, and we're going to get that information from the book of Matthew, chapter 6. This is in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew, chapter 6. And we're going to hear what Jesus has to say about the right ways to give, the right ways to pray, the right ways to fast, and the wrong ways to give, the wrong ways to pray, and the wrong ways to fast. So we're going to start with Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. Here we go. Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them, for if you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So Jesus is talking, I'm sorry, hang on there for a second. So Jesus is talking about with these acts of righteousness, he's saying, now there's some things you need to do. But there's different ways to do them. And so we don't want you, he's saying, I don't want you to be doing these things before men. What does that mean? to be seen by them. So these acts of righteousness, as I mentioned earlier, he's going to specifically talk about giving, he's going to talk about prayer, he's going to talk about fasting. And he's saying these things, these acts of righteousness, this giving, prayer, fasting, don't do this before men to be seen by them. He's saying be careful that you're not doing this for just other people's benefit. What you want to do, is do this before God. Now, um, Jesus assumes we're going to be do, do, doing these things. So, when, for example, when he talks about prayer, he says, when you pray, when he's talking about giving, he says, now when you give, he's, just a, he's not saying to pray or to give, he's assuming you're already doing that. He's assuming you're in. So, This is a really, really basic assumption that God's people pray, God's people worship, God's people read the Bible, God's people go to church. These acts of righteousness, these are things that the Lord is assuming that we're doing. And we can do them before men or we can do them before God. How does that fit into the four categories? Like, for example, as the preacher guy, each Sunday I've got Really, two options. Try to be as funny as possible and make people enjoy it as much as possible so that they'll get more people, you know, bring them with, right? You know, let's have as much fun as we possibly can so that we'll build up the group. Or, I can say, hey Lord, what do you want me to say to these people? (laughs) I have a, this is a scary thing. Standing in front of a group, praying to the Lord, Lord, what would you have me share? And then having to try to do that. Have you have you ever made a mistake? <laughs> do you know everybody's a people? Man. So it's a, it's a little bit of a thing like, wow, I want to do this right. I want to do this well. I want to do this before God. But I'm doing this in front of people, right? So it can be a little bit tricky. Um, we want to do our acts of righteousness before God. We want to worship Him with what we do. Sometimes, though, people will notice. And how do we map this on, then, to our four categories? we got the ways of God. And that's me seeking the Lord and asking Him, Hey, what's the word for today? What do you got for these people today? You know, uh then there's the ways of culture. One of the things that I'm a little iffy on is... In today's modern church planting world, the preachers usually don't pray and preach their own sermons. They get somebody else's and do theirs. And I guess that's okay, right? I feel a little weird about it, though. You know, like, shouldn't we be seeking the Lord and finding something? You know? Uh, But then again, we're not trying to find something new. You know, if I come up with a new doctrine, what are you going to do? You can say, Mike, don't do that. What's wrong with you? And then I go, no, blah, blah. and then you just go somewhere else, right? Because my pastor Mike's gone crazy, and you just move on, you know. So we're not—it's not like we're trying to come up with something new, you know. There's no there's no new theology. Uh, we're trying to just express the old theology in a way that connects with people. So I don't know. I like praying and asking the Lord, "What do you got for us today?" So that's what, that's what we're doing. But that can be the ways of men, I think. If, if we just take the package and we, we'd be the franchise, it's kind of ways of men. It's a church culture thing. Itching ears, of course, we talked about that before. You just say what people like and be funny. There you go. Recipe for success. And then, uh, and then you got ferocious wolves, and that gets into the, all the icky, you know, cultish stuff and that getting hooks on people and all that. These things that we do for the Lord, these things like prayer, um, giving, fasting, even preaching or any other type of service to the Lord, we do them before God, but they can be things that since they're seen by people, it can start to have an impact. Let's look at giving here in Matthew 6, verse 2. The next verse. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So do you guys, do you ever see those great big checks? You know, like they're like this big. You seen those? <laughs> it's always funny to me when I see one of those monster checks and it's like for $500, you know, from some million dollar corporation. You're like, Come on, guys. I mean, you make the check that big. At least put some commas in it. You know, I mean, wow. The $500, big $500 check. And that's, that to me, you know, don't announce it with trumpets. (laughs) There's some, somebody has a need and, you know, here I am to save the day kind of deal. Uh, And then Jesus says, they have received their reward in full. So what is he saying? He's saying everything they could get from that, they've already gotten. They got to be a big shot for a short period of time and have trumpets blown. That's their reward. Alright, so that's verse 2. Let's read a few more verses here. 3 and 4. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. So instead of blowing the trumpets, He's saying, settle in your heart what to give, and then give. That do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing just basically means, hey, don't make a big deal out of this. Don't make a big deal out of it. Just go ahead and do what you know you're supposed to do. And then who is your rewarder? Then your father, who sees what is done in secret, will reward you. I'm going to ask you a trick question. Are you ready? I'm already warning you, so be careful. Is it okay to store up treasures for yourself? (coughs) He said it's a trick question, so the answer must be yes. It depends on the rewards. (coughs) Pardon me. Depends on the rewards that you're storing up. We'll get to that in just a little bit. But it is perfectly fine for you to do things in secret, anticipating that your Father in Heaven will reward you. That's not evil selfishness. But realizing, okay, I'm being obedient to God, He's showing me to do this, I'm going to do it, and I expect Him to then reward me. That's perfectly fine. That's what Jesus says we should be anticipating. We should anticipate a reward from God. Not look at a reward from people because they think we're awesome because we did the big $500 check that's five feet wide. But instead, do what we know we're supposed to do. Do it in secret. And then we will receive our reward from the living God. Let's look at praying. Matthew chapter 6, verse 5, the next verse. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. So these people have received their reward because they got to be seen praying. That's their reward. Is there more that can be done in prayer than being seen by people? Yeah, amen. Sometimes you end up praying in front of people. Did you know that? So this is particularly talking about praying for a particular need on your own, because Jesus is going to go into going in your prayer closet and spending some time with God by yourself. But sometimes you have to pray in front of people. But I tell you, you can pray in front of people and still be praying to God, not be praying to people. You know? Have you ever been praying? How many people here have been, like, coerced into praying and other people were listening while you had to pray? Yeah. Did you think to yourself, is this going to sound funny or I hope they like this or you know, is this the right way to say it or that sort of thing? Now you're starting to worry about what those people are thinking, right? It can be very, very distracting. It can be extremely difficult. Let me tell you one of the most effective prayers I ever prayed and how terrible it was. I prayed a very inarticulate, completely wrong structurally, if you're going to look at the Lord's Prayer. It was just a mess. Very, very effective though. I've told this story before. Um I was starting to develop carpal tunnel in my left hand. This was about maybe seven or eight years ago. And I was getting ready for church on Sunday morning and I'm trying to play the guitar, but I couldn't get the chords right because my hand was numb and it was just it was causing problems. And I'd gotten for prayer for this before and all that stuff, and nothing, 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 just numb hand. And uh so I'm sitting in the church by myself in the morning getting ready. And I just shook my hand and I said, come on. And my hand was instantly healed. Never had numbness since. It was amazing. And I thought to myself, that's a terrible prayer. You know, uh, that was not a very fancy prayer. You know, that wasn't no big words. I didn't even address the Lord at all. You know, just come on. That's not a very good prayer. But guess what? The Lord was ready. And I was was like, you can do this. You know, come on. And bam. It's really, really cool. Uh, It's very important to realize it's really about our heart before the Lord. It's not about saying things the right way. We just need to be honest before God. Pray before God. Even if there are people listening to us, we still need to approach the uh, throne of grace. Let's go to Hebrews 4.16. Did you know that we can get ourselves to the throne of grace? Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then approach the throne of grace with confidence, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. When you're praying, you may be thinking that you're staying where you're at. But your words are making it to heaven. Amen? Amen. It's an amazing, amazing thing. If we could see that, it talks about bowls with prayers in them. If we could see our prayers in heaven making it up to the throne of grace, I'd like to see that. We're to pray before God. There might be people around But pray like your prayer is going to the throne of grace. You're talking to the living God. Let's go to Matthew 7. Still on praying. 7 and 8. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. So, is it just that God doesn't want to answer the prayer even though He can, and we just got to wear them down? you ever do that when you're a kid? Mom! Can I have a donut? I want a donut. No. Can I have a donut? I want a... No. Can I have a donut? No. Can I have a donut? Okay, here's a donut. <laughs> you know? Is that how our relationship with God is? You know, we're just going to nag him into finally answering the prayer. No, he already knows. It says here they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Come on. He knew exactly what I needed. And I got it. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm going to invite the prayer team in. We're not going to close yet, but they they're standing out there like they really want to get in here, man. This is where the fun is. Speaking of prayer, they've been praying in their little closet down in the furnace room for the last 45 minutes, believing God for good things for us and for this community. And I think we can feel that in the spirit world that we got people praying. So let's not just keep repeating ourselves, keep babbling. God already knows what we need. And then, Jesus gives us an example. I love examples. And it's called the Lord's Prayer. And we're going to keep going in verse 9. We're going to kind of work through this uh, bit by bit. This then is how you should pray. Hallelujah. Now, I don't mean to, it, it's not that, okay, so just recite this. You know what I mean? He wasn't saying, okay, now shut off your brain, learn these sounds, and let them go. That's not what he was saying. This is a, a template for us to be able to understand how to pray. So this then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what, he's, what Jesus starts with is honoring our Father in heaven. Holy is Your name. It starts with praise. It starts with glorifying God. It starts with acknowledging that You've gone to the throne of grace and there You are. A reverence, an awe, a respect for the living God. Your kingdom come, Your will be done. Is God's will always done on earth? No. Do we see other kingdoms having an impact in our world besides the kingdom of God, the kingdom of light. Yes, we see the kingdom of darkness. In case you haven't noticed, there's a war going on between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. Don't think that everything that's going on on this earth is the will of God. It simply is not. Some stuff is. But a whole lot of it isn't. A whole lot of it isn't. Have you ever done something that wasn't God's will? Then there you go. Not everything that happens is God's will. So, your kingdom come. Lord, let your purposes happen. Let what you want to have happen, happen here. Let your will be done here on earth. Let's have something from heaven come here. Let's go to the throne of grace, get something, and bring it back. And then, Jesus says, give us today our daily bread. I've had people tell me that you can only pray about super significant things. Really, really important stuff. Because you don't want to bother God with the small stuff. He's very busy. And so we want to make sure that we bring important things to God. Your daily bread. You know, is it going to be wonder bread? going to be seven grains? You know... Is it what is is this like earth-shaking huge hugely significant stuff? That's no, what you're going to eat today. Hey, provide for us today. Give us a good lunch today. Things like that. Did you know that the living God wants to have a personal relationship with you and cares about things like what you're having for lunch? It's amazing. He wants us to connect with Him in prayer about all kinds of different things, even things of minimal significance. I tell you, He's not too busy. He can handle all the prayers you got and all the prayers of billions of people around the planet. He can handle them. No issue, no problem. Let Your will be done. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So, there's an assumption in there again, isn't there? Hey, forgive us as we have forgiven others. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Are there things we can walk into that are a problem? Yeah, and Jesus is saying when you pray, pray for God to lead you through the day into the right things. Because you can end up in the wrong things. You can end up with some problems. So we've got the, the reverence for God. We've got the acknowledgement of God's will being good. And we want that to happen here. We've got just the personal daily stuff. We've got, man, clean me up. Forgive me as I've forgiven others. And don't, don't let me go into stuff I don't need to be going into. Hallelujah. And then, let's read the next couple of verses. For if you forgive men when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. Good news? Yes. Now what does it say? But if you do not forgive men their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. We'll deal with that more uh, strongly on another day. As far as ways of God are concerned, disciple, church culture, itching ears, ferocious wolves, where does forgiving others fit in? Forgiving others is a way of God. He has forgiven incredible sins. And He wants us to be able to do the same thing. Being able to forgive egregious sins against you, or even worse, against someone you love, is not a simple choice. It's a place of spiritual development that you attain to over time. Um, You can try to forgive somebody for something and fail. It's not out of your heart yet. It's still stuck. Keep at it. Get there. It's It's a place you can attain to. You'll get there. Keep at it. But it's not just so simple, right? It's not just so simple. It's just a mere choice, like what shoes to wear. It's a place where we can develop into in our hearts. Let's look at fasting real quick, 16 and through 18. When you fast. So is he, is he saying, if you choose to fast, knowing that you fast, <laughs> let me just let you know Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces and show men they are fasting. (laughs) Man, this doesn't happen that much, but I bet it was pretty funny. You know what I mean? Like, imagine the the big check analogy of fasting. You know, like, oh, you know, just like you get some of that white makeup, you know, and get yourself all pale looking. You're like, oh, I'm suffering for the Lord. You know, just kind of wander around fasting. Day number three, you know, whatever. Got a big sign. We pray and fast here. We'll do that again in October. Each October, we take a month and let people sign up. We have people praying and fasting each day of the month of October for the upcoming year and just praying blessings. And, and uh, man, that makes a big difference. But I don't want people walking around town with big signs as I'm fasting today. So, if you do walk around with a sign, that is your reward. I want better rewards. I want something from God. I don't want to have my reward be that I got to wear the sign that said I'm fasting today. That's not so great. All right. Lots of stuff talking about rewards. Let's keep going to the next uh, next few verses and then we'll get to 19. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen and your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. We've got more reward talk. Let's move on to 19. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Which is why people say no, of course, when I ask the question, should you store up treasures for yourself? Jesus says, don't store up treasures for yourself on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. So, what Jesus is saying is, he's not coming against having material resources. So uh, he's not saying don't acquire enough money to be able to retire. He's not saying that. You know, he's not saying everybody needs to be poor. Did you know that the believers are supposed to help the poor? So if we are the poor, can we help the poor? No. Then we need other people to help us. We should have more than enough and enough to share. Absolutely. So he's not saying that you should be just uh, destitute. But he's saying don't put your hope in stuff that goes away. The situation we're in in this life, it's not going to last. And I tell you what, it's shaky too. Things can change. The stock market can crash. Things can go wrong. You can end up with a medical issue and now all you lose your savings and. You know, if your hope and trust is in money, you're in trouble because it's not secure. But there is a treasure that is secure. And not just for this life, but for forever, for eternity. And Jesus wants to make sure that you have those treasures, that you're storing those up, that you've got things that cannot be taken away by the twists and turns of this world. So he says, store up for yourselves Treasures in heaven. Store them up. Get yourself a big pile of treasures in heaven. Does that sound good? I like that. I would like that very much. And then, for where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. It's a diagnostic. I've heard it said, open up your checkbook. Of course, people don't have checkbooks anymore. Uh, Somehow figure out what you've spent your money on. And then, that's, that's where your priorities are. Look and see. Wow. You know, you can see whatever it is. You can find out where your priorities are, where your treasure is there, your heart will be also. Um, and then there's an interesting turn that happens in verse 22. Let's go to verse 22 and 23. If So we're just reading verse by verse, going through chapter 6. And look at what it says here, because. These, these two verses are profound. I'll just sit and stare at them. You know, like, look at that. Let me read Matthew six twenty two and 23. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Isn't this a strange thing to say when he's talking about when you give, do this, when you pray, do this, when you fast, do this, make sure you get the right rewards, the heavenly rewards, not the earthly rewards. And then the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are good, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. Why would he go into that? at this stage of the game where He's giving you a list of stuff you should do. I think it's because He wants us to see the value of His things over the value of the things of the world. When you, when you look out there at the world, what's the, what's the thing you want the most? Is it a deep relationship with the God that created the universe? Or is it a nice car? Which one's more valuable? Which one, if we see it, gets us excited, is going to mean something important for who we are on the inside? I'm all for nice cars. But they're, they're great tools, temporary things. Have a good car. If you can't have a really nice car, fine. But isn't there something deeper in life? There's a connection with the living God. There's treasures in heaven. There's opportunities we have to walk in His ways, to be His people. If our eyes are good, it's going to make a huge difference. If your eyes are bad, how do you see giving, for example? Jesus is talking about giving. If your eyes are bad, how do you see giving? Uh, church people always wanting your money. Ugh. How about fasting? Depressive, <laughs> meaningless religious requirements. I don't want to have to fast. Blah. What if your eyes are good? What does giving look like? you have an opportunity to be part of the will of God being done on the earth. What about fasting? Do you know when fasting you can tell the difference between the Spirit's leading and your flesh leading very, very well? You can tell. It's good to learn the difference between those two. And fasting is one of the key ways you can hear the difference between your spirit and just your natural desires. You can hear the difference. Let's talk about the 11 o'clock service. 45 minutes from now, come on. If your eyes are bad, how would you look at the 11 o'clock service? Oh, I've already been to church. Bring your own chair. But, that's number two in the important things for picking a church is a good chair and you don't even even have one. What if your eyes are good? What would you see at the 11 o'clock service? You would see the people of God who every other Sunday that I've lived in this community have been in their separate little boxes having their separate little thing, today are saying, let's come together. Let's do something together on Sunday. Let's make a personal, organizational sacrifice for the greater good. Do you want to be part of that? Well, man, I want to see the value in it. I'm excited about that. It's a good thing. I'm going to invite the prayer team up. And, uh, Nicole has something she wants to share real quick. If you'd go to a microphone, that would be awesome. Go into the white microphone. Go ahead. Hallelujah. 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 We have an amazing opportunity. I'm going to read one more scripture before I close up and invite people down for prayer and, and uh to go out and you know, if you can make it to the eleven, oh man, be there. Uh but let's read Acts 10, 1 through 5. And as we read them, let me, I'm going to talk about this question. When you store up treasures in heaven, when can you make a withdrawal? When do the withdrawals happen? Let's look at Acts chapter 10. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need and prayed to God regularly. One day, at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision. He distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. Cornelius stared at him in fear. What is it, Lord? he asked. The angel answered, Your prayers and gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now send men to Joppa and bring back a man named Simon who was called Peter. And if you know the rest of the story, this Cornelius was a Gentile. He was a non-Jew. And he was the man that God used to bring the Gospel outside of Jewish circles to the rest of the world. He was that man. He made a spiritual withdrawal while he was still here. His prayers and gifts to the poor were a memorial offering or uh, it was like a remembrance offering for Him in heaven. And so you know God had a plan to bring the Gospel to everybody, right? And the time came and it was like, okay, it's going to be Cornelius. (laughs) We're going to go to Cornelius because he's got a big pile of treasures up here and we're going to pour some out on him. He got to make a withdrawal in this life. We store up treasures in heaven, and yeah, a lot of them, a lot of them we don't access until this life is over, but I tell you what, as we store them up, some of them spill out and hit us while we're here, and so let's make some deposits now, let's do some praying, and let's keep at that, let's do that as the days, the weeks, the years go by do things serving God, just between you and Him. Other people don't need to know about it. But understand, you're making a deposit in the heavenly realm. And it's a good thing. So I'm going to close. have got the prayer team up here. If you've got a personal prayer need, come on down and receive prayer. If you need to know what it's like to really have that connection with God, they can pray with you and help you through that. Whatever else you might have in your heart. Um, just, Come on down, receive some prayer. Otherwise, I'll dismiss. So let's uh, let's close together in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank You that You love us. Lord, that You allow us to store up treasures in heaven. Obviously, we can't do that on our own. But thank You that when we serve You, when we are humble before You, when it's just us and You and we do what You show us to do, that You do reward that. You do pour out blessings. So Father, help us to walk in your ways, to walk in the ways of prayer, to walk in the ways of giving, to walk in the ways of fasting. Lord, in other spiritual disciplines that we haven't really talked about, scripture reading and uh, uh, service to you and in other ways, Lord, help us each day to store up treasures in heaven so we can know we have hold of the most important things, not just the temporary things of week. So, Lord, I pray a blessing upon each one in this place. Lord, for those of us going over to Veterans Park, bless our time, man. Let Your presence be there. Lord, for those coming down for prayer, bless them. Let, let You meet them here when they come forward for prayer. And Lord, for those departing, Lord, I pray Your light would shine in their hearts. Lord, that Your Gospel would show itself through their lives. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You can come on down for prayer. Otherwise, you're dismissed. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Hope to see you at uh, Veterans Park in just a little bit.